0: Welcome to Find the Outside, the podcast. I, Tuesday Reinhart, am here today with Dr. Gabriel Donnelly, and we are going to talk about learning and evaluation outside style. That's what we're here to do today. Hello, Gabe.
1: Hi, Tuesday. It feels great to be in this conversation after chatting with our three guests around their work in evaluation and to really just land this around I think for me, both the work that we have been doing at the outside around evaluation, but also how these conversations with our guests will inform and influence how we we move forward as well.
0: That's right. Because if you know anything about the outside listeners, you know that we're always refining, right? So Gabe and I are going to talk about what we know now and what we're doing now. And um, that might look really different in a year or two, but... um, But because we will have learned, not because we are at the whim of of our fancies, but because we'll learn. And so we have had three different guests on so far. So I think maybe what we'll do is we'll do a little reflection on those guests, right? We asked them questions. We were in the conversation with them. But you and I haven't necessarily had any kind of kind of reflecting conversation about the three guests we had on. So maybe we'll do that first, and then we can talk a little bit uh, about what we do at the outside with evaluation mm-hmm. and how we're committed to learning. And and I even wonder if we want to talk a little bit about our theory of change just briefly, oh, yeah. um, because it's definitely a result of our learning. So, so, so what do you want to say? We had Dr. Dominica McBride on. We had Dr. Gladys Rowe. We had Jamie Gamble on. Three really different evaluators. Um, but I was thrilled to have them all on, but so different from each other. So different.
1: Yeah, I mean, to just start, you know, with with Dr. Dominica McBride and the work of Become and the organization in which you know, she and her team conduct culturally responsive evaluation. I mean, that was just for me. Uh, such an opening of a purpose to evaluation that I had not seen. I think for a number of reasons, but she really spoke to uh, evaluation in a culturally responsive way as a pathway for healing and transformation uh, and and really bringing this ethics of care into the work. And I certainly think that at the outside, we bring an ethics of care in the work. But I think for me, the contrast or the difference was that I, I came to the field of evaluation already as a facilitator mm, of change work mm-hmm, and change mm-hmm. effort. And so in, in my, the way that I conceive of it is often another
0: method right, to help us do right. good work. Right. Yeah.
1: So I don't think of myself as an evaluator and I haven't gotten so deep in the field that that is, that is my work to do in the world. It mm-hmm. really is. Oh, this is a set of skills I have. And so I'll, I'll, um, bring them to bear on the work when that's useful. So there's right. a, a pragmatism to it. But it was just so helpful for me to hear this kind of visionary sense of what evaluation could be um as a liber- liberatory practice and tool.
0: Yeah, I was I was quite moved by uh that interview with her uh, for that precise reason. It um you know, there was kind of I think all three of the interviewees talked about evaluation as kind of uh, they wanted to have impact and that was kind of their way in was through evaluation. They all had deep community care, deep kind of concern with equity. But Dominica was the was the person who was like no this this is and not in any kind of fundamental way but like this is a pathway to liberation in a way that I also agree. I just hadn't heard it expressed before. Um she used the word healing. And mm. I was like evaluation, healing. Wow. You know in some ways um I was like, well, that's interesting. Like you said, I've thought about it as really, really needed, right? Integral to our work. Um, Certainly a way to make sure that we're attending to equity. But the idea of evaluation as healing was pretty brand new to me. And I was laughing because um, in her bio, it says, you know, she's, you know, trying to bring new thinking to the racial justice paradigm. And I was like, Yeah, this is a person who's actually doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is not hyperbole. (laughs) That is not a good soundbite. This is actually a person who is like changing the way we think about racial justice, the paradigm. And so I was so um, delighted um, to talk with her.
1: Well, and I think that piece around healing, you know, too, it's a bold statement in that and an important one but the the history of evaluation and research with you know equity deserving communities it doesn't have a great track record there's a right. lot of harm in it and right. a lot of mistrust and a lot of I won't go into details or examples but that's just kind of that's the the legacy and the history often Uh of of evaluative practices that are quite extractive of community. And then we'll bring forward recommendations to policymakers, you know, and those reports sit on dusty shelves and social communities over time go, what, what, you know, you keep coming to us and asking us what we want or need or think or care about, but then we don't see any action. Right. Right. And so it's a bold and powerful statement to say evaluation. We can take evaluation on as a practice that is good for us, not just for the the funders or the decision makers. Through evaluative practices, through reflective conversation, through data gathering, we can actually move forward our healing work, our transformation work towards liberation. And that is so powerful.
0: Right, right. Right. Yeah. I really, I just really appreciate your naming specifically that history, you know, as a, someone who isn't in evaluation, like I could guess that, right. I could know that mm-hmm. I could hear communities say they're tired of like everybody coming in. Right. And then like not getting action, but it's, I think it's important to kind of locate the practice as having a history that has mm-hmm. been impactful and in colors, how folks come into processes. I was also I loved the way Dominica talked about healing. What, what, how do I want to say this? Give me, I'm just thinking out loud here from like a space of gentleness and personal work as well. You know, she gave her own story about kind of when she was kind of turned on to do racial justice work. And it was a, it was a traumatic story Mm -hmm. and she was just like, and we all need healing. And it just like felt so gentle. It felt like it wasn't clinging to like harshness, although her experience was very harsh. It was almost like, oh, this happened to me. And I knew there was something different and I wanted to turn around and give it out. I just really appreciated her orientation to healing as something that was needed, mm-hmm. um, as something that was available, as something that was possible um, and not... Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what is the not I'm trying to feel like what is the not I just felt like her perspective was so open and generous, I guess, Mm -hmm. with that I have this tool, I would like to use it for healing, we all need healing. Um, That also the tone of her work in healing felt like shifting the at least maybe she says Mm -hmm. out loud, she's shifting the thinking around racial justice paradigm, I feel like also part of her work is shifting the tone of it as well hmm. Beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed about all three of our interviews was none of them were like, I want to do evaluation and then did that thing. Right. So yeah. um, I just wanted to say, because, you know, you were saying I kind of came to it happen since I was like, I feel like all three of the uh, interviews, Dominica, Dr. Gladys Rowe, Jamie Gamble were like, yeah, I kind of stumbled into to evaluation And then I was like, Yeah, I want to have impact. And that so that's where I stayed. So I think that's so interesting.
1: It really is. I mean, it's like uh, you know, I think of myself as an accidental evaluator in many ways. And I'm really curious. I mean, I know we'll still talk about our conversations with with Jamie and Gladys, but I'm just curious, Tuesday, how did you come to find the Value or see the value in evaluation practice. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great question. Um, well, certainly working with you um, was a big part of it, um, and and seeing and here actually hearing you talk with leaders about what it could bring. I think for me, I kind of. maybe intellectually got it and liked the idea. And then when we worked with the Red Cross, the ICRC was really for me when we started doing prototyping and needed Mm. to make decisions after those prototypes. um, That's when I was like, oh, right. We need some rigor here um, to to steer this 18,000 person organization from these small experiments, right? Like, so to go from small to big, I was like, there needs to be some rigor here. And then seeing how the groups would come together, two things. One is like understanding the need for rigor, uh, hearing you, I guess I'm going to name three, hearing you kind of explain the, the, the make the breadcrumb trail for leaders, um, understanding that we needed to go from small to big. And then I think actually seeing those prototype teams work with the templates that were, uh, were evaluation based, hearing things like Hmm. progress measures, hearing, you know, instead of, you know, like, we're going to land on this blah, you know, like, but how do we know we're making progress? How will we kind of keep ourselves honest and integrity with what we're trying to do? And I saw how beneficial that was to the projects themselves, right? So I kind of went from like an intellectual understanding, then you'd laid the breadcrumbs for senior leaders and I'm more in, and then I'm like, how are we gonna move from small to big? And I'm more in, and then I saw how it landed with the projects themselves and how useful it was to them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's when it kind of like, that project is when it really, really landed for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that was such a great a great time in our work too, as we developed methodologies to support such large scale action learning,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? So yeah, let's talk about, we'll talk about that a little later. I think that's a great example. I think it also, that leads well into our conversation with Jamie Gamble, which was Mm. next, which is his pragmatism and clarity Mm -hmm. and sort of simplicity of Mm -hmm. talking about how evaluation can help us think better and can Mm -hmm. help us overcome barriers to thinking well Mm -hmm. um, and to strategy. And I think I I have worked alongside uh, Jamie um, in one particular project, and it struck me that that really is what he always comes back to, Mm. is how do we make the data we're gathering help us make better decisions moving forward? in real time, and what's just enough structure, Mm. just enough order to that process Mm -hmm. to do it well. Um, You know, and I think one of the strengths of that is some people can experience the evaluation field as very overwhelming. And one of the ways that that can happen is if we're new to it, and I certainly felt this way when I started, was, oh, well, we have to evaluate everything. We have to capture data on everything. We have to there's so much here and the, the kind of overwhelm and the scope creep and, and I think what's incredible about both how Jamie talks about evaluation but also in his practice is that he is really great at distilling exactly what would be helpful at a particular time mm. to learn more about to help wow. the next step.
0: Got it. And that
1: to me is a really seasoned practitioner.
0: Yeah, I think when you said that, Gabe, I thought, oh, so that's like, that's where he brings in his particular gift and art, right? That's, I love how you said that, a seasoned practitioner. Um, Because of course, knowing how to drill down on what do we need to know now, I was so, when you said about him, you know, he wants to help people, I am paraphrasing, use kind of the data to kind of like to shape what they're doing, to name... One of the things that occurred to me that I think, and I'm curious if this is a legacy of evaluation, so maybe I'll ask you back, is kind of evaluator is knowing better, and mm-hmm. um, and that's why I feel like when we talked with him, when you describe your work with him right now, I think what I experienced from him was was um, his radicalness. Maybe I'll say that was like actually believing that people can think better. Yes. Right? that this is inherent in us. We can think better. We can use data impact. There was like, just like this kind of like belief in the smarts and intellect of the people he was working with, which I think uh, maybe I'm projecting, but it feels like that might not be present in a lot of evaluation. Certainly
1: not in traditional evaluation. I think this sense of, well, that this, we talked about this in our conversation with Jamie is that You know, in traditional evaluation, objectivity is an incredibly important practice because there's this sense of, you know, not being biased and sort of assessing whether or not a project is meeting its goals. And so an evaluation team will come in at a certain point, you know, and collect data and then make an assertion or a decision. You know, is this worth funding or not? And I mean, that's in in many ways an exaggeration. I think the evaluation field has come a long way since then, but that's kind of an archetype of that kind of evaluation. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about with Jamie, he really values objectivity,
2: Mm -hmm. but
1: he also brings this developmental, the developmental evaluation piece, which is like, he gets, he rolls up his sleeves and he's in the work. And with this openness and this humility and this gentleness and this as you said, a real belief in people doing this work well mm-hmm. and being able to think better. And that his job is to facilitate that process or to help that, you know? And I mean, I think we both, I don't think we shared this story on the podcast, but when Jamie and I worked together for the first time, we had both heard of each other. We had never met and it had been, you know, maybe five, 10 years we'd been, you know, in, in networks with each other, but never quite meeting. And we, you know, after our first in-person day of, a, a facilitated event for actually the future of Hockey Lab in Canada, which is is, uh, working towards inclusivity and equity practices in hockey. Um, We at the end of the day, he came up to me and he said, oh, Gabe, it's just great to work with you because I feel so relieved in many ways, Mm -hmm. you know, my experience of working with academics and I'm paraphrasing him here, Mm -hmm. you know, is that they bring an arrogance yeah, or I know better. And he said it was just really refreshing to work with you. And mm. I kind of breathed this sigh of relief because I said, Jamie, you're, you know, one of the, quote unquote, experts of developmental evaluation, not just in Canada, but I would say really making significant, you know, change around the world. And I was really nervous to mm. meet as well in the same way. Um, wow. Because I felt this sense of what, you know. What will he think of my evaluation practice or, you know, does he bring that kind of all knowing quality that, you know, I actually have a really strong allergic reaction to in general, probably because I am an academic and, uh, you know, in one of my one of my ways of being in the world. And I find that quite hard. And I really do a lot to undo that, both in my classroom and with colleagues and to kind of really bring in more generative spaces than Than critical ones, although critical thinking is essential, especially in evaluation. But, you know, that story, I think, just sort of speaks to that that dynamic can exist. And it's always a question of before you meet someone or an evaluative culture, what where is it tipping Mm -hmm. on that scale? And I and for, you know, for when we are confronting together work that we don't have answers to, That is the way to show up in evaluation and he does that so well.
0: That's great. Kind of tripped for me that when uh, Dr. Gladys Rowe talked with us about the challenge she had within the academy, right? Yes. And so she talked about that quite, quite specifically around, like, I'm not sure this is the place for me. I don't know how I'm going to survive here and, and needing to reach out to others and kind of gather some folks around her to be able to stay in this field, which historically has not served necessarily her people or her. Um, and so I really appreciated that aspect of her interview, which is kind of bringing in her personal self to mm-hmm. this work and how much personal work it took to stay in to do this yeah. work that she felt was so important for her community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and, and the ways in which that that journey has led to this beautiful gift into the world, which is, you know, a medicine bundle, a bundle, mm-hmm. a medicine bundle of evaluation, which mm-hmm. is, I think grappling with how do indigenous practices and values um, can they imbue evaluation practice, which is like from a white, Euro, North American centric mm-hmm. worldview? Yeah. You know, and to, and, you know, and I, I, I think not everybody's going to stick along for that ride. And right. she has the tenacity to do that and to transform it into something really incredible and beautiful and working with Indigenous communities but also bringing Indigenous worldview and practices into evaluation
2: mm-hmm. work
1: more broadly. And that just feels really incredible, you know, in, it, and in the work of how are we in practices of decolonization.
0: Yeah. And I, I loved it just reminding me. I was thinking as you were talking about her, I love that she had... Um different colored nails in her nail polish. Do you remember this? And of course the listener did not see this, but it was like this little bit of whimsy on her hands. Um, her nails were painted different colors and I just loved it. Uh, just because again, you hear evaluator, we're talking about heavy things. She's talking about the personal work she needs to do. And it was like this little reminder about us being whole human beings, right? Every single one of us, whole human beings doing this yeah. work. And maybe, you know, we get an idea of what an evaluator is like, or we get an idea of what, um, you know, a working mom is like with Dominica McBride, or we get an idea of what a, a white guy in his fifties is like, right? But we, we have these images that, of course, our brains, you know, work to kind of create patterns and, and make understanding. So everything's not new, but each one of them really kind of surprised me as people, in these Mm -hmm. interviews, which was really, really lovely. I mean, I thought to myself, if all evaluators are like the three of them and you, I'm in. Like, I just want to hang out (laughs) at like evaluation conferences or something like that. I don't know what it looks like, but I was just, I was like, oh, right. We just like get these ideas about roles and we don't let people be whole. And all of those three people were like beautifully whole. So
1: such a great, a great piece of whimsy to bring in. Yeah, I remember those nails and the fabulousness of it. And I also remember our love of her radio voice.
0: It was just like, oh, will you host us? Right. Please. Talk to me, Dr. Rowe. Exactly. It was so beautiful.
1: That's her, right? I forgot about that. Yeah. And she has a great podcast for for anyone who wants to go more deeply into um, Indigenous evaluation. Great. Um, and we will really she's interviewing incredible people doing amazing work and um, can definitely be a, a deeper dive there. So really encourage that for folks who want to take this evaluative learning further.
0: Great. And we will drop her podcast link in our show notes so that people can get to it easily. But let's turn our gaze to the outside. Let's and, do it. Uh, what we're doing with value, with learning and evaluation, and um, and just to name that we have had, we've done this learning with two other colleagues, Brona Gallagher out of Scotland, and uh, Summer Sibley Brown out of the Virgin Islands, Saint Croix. So we're not, so we're kind of channeling them in today. It's not just Gabe and I who are interested in this. Uh, we're going to channel them in. But let's talk. How would you describe what we do around learning and evaluation?
1: Well, you know, I think when, when, you know, and I think I used this phrase earlier, the outside to me, our work is so often about how do we support people, organizations and networks to confront work Mm. that we don't have answers to?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And
1: we might have a sense of our vision of the future that we want to arrive at, but how we get there is unfolding, Mm -hmm. uncertain. And I think that we've learned, particularly in our work as facilitators and hosts of change processes, is sometimes people's ideas of how they want to make change can be an obstacle to what actually needs to happen. And so there's something about the kind of stripping away or the kind of peeling away of our beliefs and our assumptions mm. about how mm-hmm. change happens
2: mm. and
1: bring more of a, a mindset of inquiry, of testing and trying something out and doing it lightly enough that we're not so invested, that the, the teams that we're working with aren't invested on that strategy We're not invested in it. Someone on the team doesn't feel a sense of identity around that Mm -hmm, strategy,
2: mm -hmm. Um,
1: and we can kind of hold it lightly and really be in an experimental, innovative, creative space where we have just enough order from an evaluative practice that helps us be in cycles of reflection and of sense-making around data and data-informed decision-making That we can stay really nimble and you might notice i am trying to avoid the word pivot because it's so overused in the pandemic pandemic world okay um, kind of our post-pandemic world and our pandemic times um not that it's necessarily post-pandemic we're just in a different phase of it but uh but pivot has been such a huge part of a developmental evaluative practice is that that right yeah long before And so I think one of the reasons why at the outside we've become really advocates of integrating particularly developmental practice early on in change efforts is because there are some real big risks when we don't. And some of those Mm -hmm. are we pick a strategy. And it's actually going to be a dead end, but because it was baked into a five-year strategic plan, we don't know until we get there. And then potentially we spent a lot of time and money and resources Mm -hmm. on a strategy that's not actually moving us forward.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so what does it mean to hit those dead ends and go, I am so glad I saw that three months into this project. Right. Over a year or two or five or something that we never even get to because that strategic plan, you know, becomes obsolete and we redo it again, but then that same strategy makes it into the next one and we don't get around to it, you know, and so there's something about that. And I think it can help us spend our time and our money uh, or resources in ways that are more effective to be in this kind of lighter nimble, let's learn as we go, um, and so, and. I, I think we also bring in summative evaluation to be able to tell the story of when something's worked.
0: Uh And that's
1: what we're about, right? We're about Mm -hmm. learning what works and amplifying that and growing
2: it. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And so when, when we have landed on a strategy or a story or a narrative that's particularly um, that is really making waves of change, it is important to then bring in that more kind of traditional a uh, summative approach, which assesses
2: mm-hmm. in a rigorous way, mm-hmm.
1: what here is a value, what has worked, what might be generalizable to other circumstances and what's really contextual to this place and what are the ways or recommendations that we would make if others wanted to try and experiment in this, this domain or this way. And so we've used this i mean i think in in work that you and tim have talked about on on this podcast many times whether it's the global humanitarian sector whether it's you know activating local food systems working with with vulnerable youth and families a lot of municipality work and really this sort of centering for us around equitable change so we're Mm -hmm. always bringing an equity lens to our evaluation practice Um, and and it depends with our clients, you know, how much they're, how much that's in the foreground and the background. Yeah. But one of our evaluative practices at the outside is to keep using it as an opportunity to bring it into the foreground with, uh, within every developmental cycle that we engage in.
0: Can you talk about what that looks like, Gabe? How do we make sure we're keeping equity at least on the table? Because I, I, I feel like in our work, we're thinking about it in all of the ways, right? From the very... Conception and proposal to the choosing of teams to the how we facilitate the ways we're designing to the prototypes we pick like how how yeah just like to be really specific how when we're doing a learning and evaluation we keep equity on the table
1: Mm, great and it might it might require a little bit of a a lead in Uh, but you know a lot of our work. when we have this sense of, okay, we don't know how we're going to get to this place that we want to go in the work, but we know what we would like the outcome to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we would like to, um, you know, I'm just thinking of, of you know, a healthcare context, right? We would like to um, increase the number of, of people who can navigate the healthcare system by 25% easily, you know, without encountering obstacles or multiple referrals of, mm-hmm. of, of specialists, right? So we have a kind of a clear goal of how to get there. But then we'll start to develop both. Well, what are progress indicators and outcome indicators? Mm-hmm. These indicators are signals that help us. They're like flags or markers along the way that could help us anchor into are we moving in the right direction or not? And part of that is building in these evaluative cycles you know, 90 days, three to four months, particularly when when we're in like high innovation stage Mm -hmm. work, Mm -hmm. sometimes in action learning cycles where we're prototyping with teams, you know, we're actually in an evaluative cycle every month or every month and a half um, to, you know, a light one to kind of help move things forward. Uh, But part of that process, when we kind of come up with these indicators or these signals, is when we do that in a, a participatory way or a, a way that includes those who are in the work we'll bring out what are the equity principles mm-hmm. that are important here and so for instance it might be and i'm I'm just imagining and spitballing in the example that i gave which we didn't move into the work but it would be like you know when we're when we're tracking data around how patients are accessing a healthcare system and they're um uh, and they're encountering barriers, we're not just gonna lump everyone together as a general person. We would Mm. actually want race-specific data. We would want gender-specific data, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be an example. Um, But I think as well, you know, at the outside, it's baked right into process and design, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in conversations with you and Tim, when we're thinking about designing a particular event that the two of you will host or facilitate, we are asking questions around, okay, how might we bring an equity-based or a power-based question in mm-hmm. to keep folks accountable? And we can do that through an evaluative reflective questioning or you know, a capturing of, of, of data in that way. Those are just two examples. Can you think of others? Uh, you know,
0: I think um, the one the one I was really thinking about is how much you all push to make sure that people are reflecting on issues of equity as they're running their project. It's like you're just like kind mm. of keep that light alive through what like through questions in the evaluation. Through, um, you know, I think that you're right. It's all the way through in that way. I hope we've set the table that by time folks are in, are evaluating. Um, but I think the other thing, so I think you asked reflective questions um, like on, on, in kind of the evaluations themselves. But I also have seen you push people to notice patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Does this apply to any particular group? Are you hearing this from certain places? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's also, yeah, there's like the. The kind of, you know, the templates people have to fill out that I think keeps equity up. But I feel like I see you kind of pushing people to kind of like bring that into their understanding as well.
1: Yeah, that's great. And it reminds me that, you know, one of the ways that I talk about or think about being an evaluator or an evaluator in a, in a change effort with equity at the center. But when I'm working closely with the design team and the, the strategy team, which is all of the time now but it's like oftentimes my job or the job of the evaluation team is to hold up a mirror mm-hmm. of the sticky patterns or the mm-hmm. or that we say this principle is important around equity but then we're actually not um sometimes we're moving too fast to include all of the places yes. that are needed
0: yeah yeah that's for right.
1: instance that's right um you know and and you know sometimes and this kind of becomes my placeholder but like you'll hear me say and i know many times it's like squeaky wheel, like there's, uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. going to say something uh-huh. that's potentially going to slow down the momentum yeah. of where this is headed. And it's always uncomfortable for me. Yeah. But over time, I'm getting much clearer about like, you know, I mean, I've always known it's the role of the evaluator, but now I'm get just getting much clearer on how to be able to introduce that lightly without throwing people off of that momentum, because that's certainly not, right. you know, because change work is so hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's wonderful when we're working with amazing people, but we're often tackling huge things. And so the momentum we build through our engagement work, through inspiration really matters to feed people in that work. And You know, and so sometimes the like evaluator can feel like a wet blanket, which is like, we said this was really important, but actually in practice, we're not attending to it. Can we slow down and do some work around that, you know? And so how to do that skillfully and in an artful way. But that also makes me think of Tuesday that one of I think the real benefits too of evaluation is that not only is it course correcting, but it also can give us opportunities and create space for us to celebrate the wins
0: right yeah because yeah, we yeah. can
1: see them more quickly
0: that's great. Like, oh
1: there it is look at what happened oh that shift in mindset I mean this group that we were working with in the spring it was like in a three-month period the internal team to an organization was remarking on like the significant mindset shift mm-hmm. they had around how to be in Generative engagement work with stakeholders and and to make that visible to them. Look what happened. We might not actually be seeing tangible outcomes yet in the work that we're we're trying to do, but you're all speaking to massive transformations in how you feel about and are engaging in the work. And let's take a minute to celebrate that and note it and and make sure that it's part of the story of this
0: work. Well, exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's like, you know, it it is, it is really gratifying to the people who are doing the work, right? To kind of have their small wins and victories and these changes that they're feeling are a big deal. Kind of mirrored back to them is as valid, as meaningful. And it also like helps the people who are stewarding the project right, who might not be getting the results in three short months, right, have a story to tell about what's mm-hmm. actually happening. What's kind of the like underground, almost cultural story that's happening here as we do this work. One of the things I wanted to go back to is you talked about how that can be hard to be the squeaky wheel and, you know, like you're getting more skillful at it. And I was thinking that that's another reason it has felt important for me I, I'm sure I could talk for Tim too, but we'll just talk for me around having um, evaluation we, we're trying to in our projects um, position it right as as important as the design, as important as the strategy, as important because I think there is a level of um I mean power just power dynamics are everywhere right? Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. And I know that Tim and I can be hard to like go like, oh, wait, wait, squeaky wheel, right? And so having you as a senior leader on our team able to say that and attending to that uh, power differential, because we could, I mean, I think that's the biggest risk, I would say mm-hmm. is like, we just have so much work to do in so little time. We just go too fast, and that leaves people behind, right? And so like, inevitably, when you go too fast, and you leave people behind the people who behind are those who have less power, right? And so this this ability to interrupt projects um, and slow them down, it has to be done from a position of power, or it will Mm -hmm. just get steamrolled. And so just thinking about that evaluator role, in some ways, it's been given and I, I would suspect, again, I'm making a story up, but you can tell me if it's true, that evaluator role has gotten a lot of power, like it said, whether it worked or not, right? So then everyone's yes. kind of scared about it. But then on the other hand, right, the kind of doing of, and, and then in that way, sometimes the doing of evaluation just feels to people like busy work or something they have to do to get money, right? It doesn't feel integral to the process. It feels like this thing you have to do. Um, and instead, I think we're trying to position it as kind of one of the braids throughout the project, right? Kind of, equal to what we're doing because we're not only talking about what we did, which I've really appreciated your continued support and and pointing us to the need for summative evaluation. Because I feel like developmental evaluation is way more exciting in my mind, right? And Me so Me too. Me right? too. Yes. But you're you've done a great job of saying like we don't only need to know what we did. That's important, but we need to know kind of where we should turn our gaze and like what we should be doing. Um, and so I think you just hold those two things really that have been pulled apart really beautifully. And I think it takes power in the project to do that. And so Mm -hmm. as our people are listening, I know some of our activating change cohort listens to these podcasts around evaluation, like they've got big projects, right? They know they have to be thinking about evaluation. And I would say um, there is something of positioning the evaluation in this kind of project that Mm -hmm. also feels key to kind of Big change work that has equity in the center to really, really think about how the evaluation and the evaluator is positioned in the work.
1: Mm. Thank you for that. Just just sharing that back because it has brought to me some f- fresh thinking or framing around mm. the role in this moment. So I'm going to try it on, Great. which is, I mean, I think the way that we approach it is also building capacity in the folks that we're working with to bring mm-hmm. an evaluative lens into the work, into action learning, into kind of checking, you know, <laughs> data-informed checking, are we moving in the right direction, that sort of thing. But as you're saying, appreciating this sort of, the interventions that evaluation can make, I think in in large large scale change work, particularly where equity is important, if it's just all, raw, raw momentum. We're going to change the world. This is going to be amazing. This is so exciting. Let's go, let's go, let's go, which is important.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: If there isn't a place formally ordered in the project that can hold like spaces for edges, spaces for questions, spaces for no's, spaces for Mm -hmm. what aren't we seeing? Mm -hmm. It can, it can then end up that a particular people within the initiative feel like they have to bring that Mm -hmm. but they have nothing to fall back on or rest in and so sometimes it can get more activated and more intense Mm. the more the momentum of the change effort takes off right and then they feel less and less connected owning the work and I think when uh, when evaluation is done well when developmental evaluation is done well from an equity lens it's saying like Let's bring that wisdom Mm -hmm. of the edge or in deep democracy, we would talk about the no, the wisdom of the no, Mm -hmm. and really ensure that we are learning from it and we are integrating. What what does it take for you to come along Mm -hmm. with this work based on what you're seeing in your particular vantage point that's giving you a a sense of no, of uh, slow down, hold on, um, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. and to have a space in the project that can hold that in a generative way and in a formal way. Um, and, you know, and so so I think that that can be a really big strength of doing this well. But, you know, you have to have some, some skilled practitioners doing yeah. that. And I think always using it as an opportunity to, to bring folks along who want to learn. And I am constantly learning every day about how to do this work. You know, and uh, I was in a piece of uh, I was in a room with a group yesterday and um, one of my colleagues, Rach, Dara, said uh, they said, um, you know, if you get it wrong, you get it right if you're open to being corrected.
2: Mm, Right. And so like, what's
1: the opportunity of opening us ourselves up to correction, to feedback, to information where it's like that's part of the practice of getting it right.
0: That's right. Oh, I love that. That's great. I love it, Gabe. Um, that's so smart. And I'm so glad to be in this learning with you. And again, just want to say out loud, Brona Gallagher and Summer Sibley Brown's name as people who have really um, supported this practice in the outside. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just the two of us. It's, it's, uh, it's, and it's even more than the four of us and just really feeling grateful to be in this learning alongside you. Um, and, and figuring this out and feeling like, um, I, I feel like you're wingman, right? Like Gabe has the expertise and I just kind of like follow along in her wake, like saying, yes, this is what we need to do. Yes, this is what we need to do. And uh, and as I do that, um, my understanding gets deeper and deeper and I just get kind of more and more thrilled. And this series was part of that. Just like talking yeah. with other evaluators, feeling really inspired at the end of those conversations. Um, and I, I just... I'm sorry. It's so funny. I don't know if listeners, Gabe has the cutest little puppy in the world. And I just think I heard him tap, 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 tap in the room.
1: <laughs> so that say. feels
0: like the time to say goodbye, but this, we were, we were closing and, uh, thank you Nori for joining us and telling us it's time. And thank you Gabe for today and the L&E series. I just have enjoyed it thoroughly. It's been really great to do this with you.
1: Oh, me too. And I mean, you are so so intuitive around the way that you bring evaluative lens mm. and thinking to your way, the way that you work and show up in the world. And so it's just a delight to be in these conversations together. And, you know, and I just want to leave our listeners with, if there are, if you are, I mean, I know some of you are probably well and deep into evaluation practices um, and, you know, please reach out. I mm. love having conversations about this part of the work. Um, and if you're new to it in any way and you want to learn more, mm. www.betterevaluation.org is an incredible resource. Great. Um, it has just from soup to nuts, from beginning to end, from every emergent evaluation practice out there, really simple and accessible ways to get started. And then the other piece that I would say is if you want to bring in um, an evaluation tool lightly into your work, into ongoing work already, there is a a process called the most significant change. Mm. And it's just asking that question to a group of stakeholders in the work. What is the most significant change you have witnessed or seen as a a part of this effort? Mm. And it can be just quite a powerful and helpful and very revealing way of of just beginning that work. So
0: well, that's Gabe. also
1: available on on um, betterevaluation.org.
0: I am closing with a coaching client today, and I'm going to use that question. Thank you Yay! so much. Perfect. <laughs> Gonna go do it right right this afternoon. Thank you so much, Gabe. Thank you for those resources, and thank you everyone for listening. We've had a great time doing this spotlight series, and uh, yeah, please do reach out and let us know what you thought.
1: Absolutely. Take care, everyone.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.